This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome to this episode of Kennedy Saves the World. And today, we actually have to save the world. It's a new year, and that means we have to look at hotspots and conflicts, known and unknown, and figure out what has to be done to save the world. Because as you know, uh, we are, I would say we're in a proxy war with a nuclear superpower. And that's a bad place to be when you don't entirely trust the leadership of the country that's supposed to be the good guys. That would be these United States of America. So who better to talk to than one of my favorite freedom lovers on the globe? He has fought in wars for the United States Army under two Bushes and a Clinton, and uh, he has at least one Purple Heart to show for it. The other Purple Heart he keeps in his basement with his box of hooker hands. Of course, I'm talking about former Army captain. He is... Our favorite veteran, Brian Suits. Welcome back to Kennedy Saves the World. It's my first time. This is great. This is awesome. I'm going to have you on Dark Secret Place, my phenomenal podcast. So, yes, uh, he has darksecretplace.com. Brian Suits is the founder of darksecretplace.com. The darksecretplace.com. The darksecretplace.com. Go there because... It's it's a really wonderful, smart exploration of how the world really works. And that's the thing that I love about your brain suits is you have always been able to, because you've got such an incredible command of history and geography, that you are able to, in your special brain, take problems apart, look at them, and put them back together. Not very many people can do that. So um, you have... I would say a unique view on what happened with Russia and Ukraine because you have fought against and alongside soldiers from both those countries. So based on your experience and what you know, where are we in the Ukrainian conflict and how can we save the world from that? Um, uh, what I, you know, initially I thought it would be a, a quick conflict because I, I just to, to expand out what you were saying, I was embedded uh, with the Russian airborne in Bosnia, the the Valiva, the Dzantnik, uh, uh airborne guys, which is a separate branch from the army, and <clears throat> I, I saw a pretty corrupt system. I w- it was shockingly inefficient and corrupt. And then Putin uh, began; he made part of his life's work to reform the Russian army. And I thought, well, all the money he's spending and everything—how can you fail? But then, then you realize. He didn't know what right looks like. Nobody in the Russian army knows what right looks like. They were they were shocked when they were part of NATO in Bosnia because we <clears throat> we folded them in, and there was even open talk of Russia joining NATO. And um, they they were stunned and amazed, you know, that a sergeant could walk up to a captain. Because uh, I was an E five sergeant in, in Bosnia, and I made the mistake one time of walking up to 
the the company command the Russian company commander because we were supposed to do a joint patrol, and I was kind of the liaison. Um, and and I thought, well, okay, if if um, Putin's throwing this kind of money at it, then uh, you know how can you how can you fail? He turned the the, the period of conscription from two years to one year and all this. And on the end of day one, when they clearly didn't achieve their day one objectives, I realized same old Russian army, um, new war, same Russian army. In fact, same grid square as 1941. So um, where does and, the money so, go? Does it just go to oligarchs? Do they say, uh, hey, we are beefing up the army? But then. Yeah, it, 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 go, it goes to little contractors like there's a thing that the U.S. started bearing on our kit in Iraq called the individual first aid kit with tourniquet and a chest seal, all this very capable stuff, and you train the soldiers how to self-apply it. Well, the Russians saw that. They wanted something like that, so they contracted with a dude um, who was basically putting, like, Band-Aids and vaccine in a bag and calling it an, an IFAC, a, a Russian IFAC. So when, when this early on was exposed by March, um, this guy killed his family, then killed himself because he knew it was not going to end well for him. Because Russian soldiers started putting it on Telegram. Putin may, you know, he, he may have shut down Fox News or whatever, but Telegram is wide open. And man, have Russian soldiers been speaking their minds on Telegram. Um, and so that was the early indication that there was gigantic, <clears throat> massive corruption in the Russian defense acquisition industry. And when the guy who supplied the Russian army with the IFAX killed his family, then killed himself. And, you know, instead of like trying to get out of the country, because he knew the jig was up. And that goes from the individual, you know, first aid kit that the Russian uh, soldier is carrying right up to their f top, supposedly top of the line tanks, uh, their aircraft, the whole thing. Um, you know, the failure of their tanks is spectacular, but it was written uh, in, in 1991 in, in Iraq. We were we were seeing that frying pan uh, explosion from the T-72s, uh, Saddam's T-72s, and the T-72 didn't care who was driving it. It wanted its turret blown off, and it, and it did. And it, it's just it's just bad stuff. And and then, meanwhile, when he comes and inspects, you know, this latest weapon, they they you know, bring out to the range a absolutely top of the line. It's been inspected from the top down. This one's going to run. To, it's going to work. The gun is going to fire. It's going to hit the target. He doesn't know what he's looking at, but he's looking at, you know, they don't randomly take one out of a warehouse and say, make that one work, make that grenade launcher work, make that tank work, make that helicopter work. They, they, they he gets to a, you know, airfield or he gets to a, a tank range and they show him and they say, look at this perfect tank. Watch, this is our next weapon. So he doesn't know what he's looking at. And also the people he's surrounded with um, <clears throat> who are responsible for inspecting that stuff, they're only accountable if something is late or over budget. That's it. And they don't want to hear bad news coming up. They so they don't hear, have quality control with the Russian army? Believe it or not. And here's a here's a great little story of how they how they operated. Um, we would do a joint patrol. Uh, I would be given the, the patrol order by radio from this American base. And they would say, all right, you know, uh, this time next week uh, on the whatever, the 9th of January, uh, no later than 0600. We need two. We need three Russian vehicles. Uh, in, in patrol order in column out on such and such a road, and then uh, three MP, three Humvees with MPs are going to join in with them, and then you guys are going to patrol here to here to here. Now, I would go to the platoon sergeant who went to the platoon. Lead. I could never go to the captain directly and say, hey, you know, hey, sir, here. Um, and I, I learned the lesson the first time. 
they, uh, I gave him the order. I gave the date. He had seven days to prepare. Um, he was woken up by his sergeant by a phone call from the American commander about where the hell are you? Of course, he's he's hungover. He, you know, he smells like Smirnoff and the whole thing. <laughs> and he just starts screaming at his sergeants to get in there. And the sergeants start beating the men with their boots and the whole thing. And they get in the first three vehicles. Of course, they're not fueled up. They they barely start. Uh, and so they they got to come to the American base and fuel up. Um, and then they they made up some issue about others with all three vehicles have a maintenance issue. Um, so they had to return to the base. The Americans are looking at me like, why were these guys not ready? And they said they were. I gave the order some days ago. Meanwhile, the Russians pull off to the side of the road and they siphon the gas into passing. They sell the gas to passing Serbs, you know, for like one Deutschmark uh, per liter. Uh, and, and they make several hundred Deutschmarks um, there. And then they return back to the American base and they buy cigarettes and jeans. And I'm, I shit you not, that's, that was day one uh, of my embed with them. And, and you know, it appears that absolutely nothing has changed because, and, uh, you know, in many cases, they're walking away from broken vehicles. So they're, they're, they don't know how to fix this. Yeah, the only, the only good thing they've got is the gas. So uh, they're disorganized, corrupt. And out for themselves. Now, I, I've, I don't know if you know this, Brian, but I've never served in the armed forces. Uh, but just from what I've read, those are three characteristics that are not necessarily good to have when you have an army. Yeah, and, and it's funny because Americans always say, boy, they're not like their grandfathers. Well, that's the joke. They wrote the history. The, their army was just as inefficient and corrupt in World War II. Just that there was more of the, the, of the Germans, more Russians than, than the Germans. They've always been like this. It's literally a byproduct of socialism. It's literally a byproduct of a system that doesn't allow, uh, you know, someone with innovation initiative to get ahead. It's just simply good news up, bad news down. And that's it. And from the army to Soviet medicine, to the Soviet space program, it's funny because they've never seen a zero defect culture until they started working with NASA. And now, the, you know, half the astronauts are, have to be bribed not to defect, uh, not to get on the wrong return vehicle because... They are not. They they come from a good enough culture, not a zero defect culture. And boy, let me tell you, in in a armor company, in the U.S. Army tank company, um, you you can't say oh, that ought to work. You can't say good enough that'll work. You you cannot. You're accountable uh, to that. So you have Vladimir Putin, who it sounds like, you know, Elizabeth Holmes from Theranos and Sam Bankman-Fried from FTX. Um, and even uh, Billy McFarlane, the fire festival guy, like they all suffer from Putin syndrome, which is I want to do this really big, amazing thing, but I don't know how to do it. And I don't have the means, but I'm not going to let any of that get in the way. I'm going to talk people into investing in my great idea. And then I'm just going to hope for the best. Don't go anywhere. More Kennedy saves the world right after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. So when you've got someone who's got that outlook, how do you get them to the peace table? Like how, let's say, 
Putin is dying. Let's say the war isn't going in his favor. And he's also got nuclear weapons. He's unstable. He's got a trail of guys behind him who might be as bad or worse than he is in terms of megalomania or just the desire to blow up the planet and be a complete authoritarian, uh, the good of his people be damned. How do you get someone in that circumstance out of Ukraine and to the bargaining table? You, you have to give him something that he can portray as, you know, my plan all along um, was to just formalize the two areas uh, that, that we've been occupying since 2014. Yeah. Uh, the areas that he recently formally made part of Russia, he he has to have something that he can tell the Russian people. It's Victory Day. It's just like May 9th, 1945. We finally have unified people called the Russians. Uh, the, anyone not a Russian in Ukraine doesn't live in Donetsk or Luhansk and the whole thing. Because that, that has been, and he's written essays on it since 2000. Where, where he has said that, you know, the breakup of the Soviet Union was the biggest calamity of the, of the 20th century. So ever since 2000, like his precursor to invading Georgia was was that he pre-mailed Russian passports to, to Georgians of Russian ethnicity. And and then he retroactively said, oh, well, time to unify them. You know, he didn't care about the rest of Georgia. You know, he doesn't want Georgians any anymore in the Soviet Union. They already had the worst Georgian ever, you know, in, in Stalin. Uh, he just wants... Because when he took over, you know, the average age of a Russian male was south of 60 years old. They were drinking themselves you know, into early graves and couples weren't having kids. So he engineered the biggest demographic reversal um, in, in recorded history of the measurement. He started giving bonuses, you know, for a second baby and a bigger bonus for a third baby and fourth. And this, this these are the guys he's killing right now. This is 18 years ago, um, for, you know, uh, 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 20 years ago that this program went in and it produced results. Uh, so it's ironic that these are the guys that he's killing right now because he was so, uh, you know, adamant that, that uh, people, that Russia was, was, uh, was dying, was dying off. And he turned that, that, uh, that ethnic decline around. The other thing he did was he, he made, he awarded Russian citizenship to ethnic Russians living in, name it, Kyrgyzstan, uh, uh, Kazakhstan, Tur Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, anything that used to be a former Soviet republic, uh, if you were Russian and Stalin, you know, metastasized the Russian people all across the Soviet Union because he wanted to Russify the Soviet Union. And so they're sitting there in Vladivostok and, and in Kyrgyzstan and all that. And they're an ethnic minority in that country. But he, he wanted to be able to count, you know, up, up to 130 million people called Russians who are Russian citizens. So this uh, so that is that's been his his um, his campaign for 22 years, and so that's why if you know I think if this was understood more by people in American leadership from Blinken on down, that you could just go to him through back channels or through you know the Wagner groups, Prigozhin or whatever, and say, listen, we're going to talk Zelensky off a ledge. You know, he's talking about complete victory. You know, he's Goldmeier Jr. You know, whatever. Just tell him. Uh, if we beat them across the Dnieper River, back to those occupied areas, and then the, and then we get him to agree to a a, a vote in Crimea, whatever, which is, Crimea is ninety seven percent Russian anyway, and has been since Catherine the Great. Um, you know, uh, he, his army would be an occupying army in there anyway. I think you 
you cut Zelensky's expectations back because you're, you've already got this gigantic global win that just like 1991, we find out that Russian equipment sucks goat ass. Um, and and better trained people, um, you know, we the, the Iraqis outnumbered us, you know, two or three to one. Their equipment sucked. And and so he's reproven that, that, that Russia's a paper tiger. And that, I think, if you give Putin... Uh, a way that if you give him a, a giant turd and he's able to polish it with a light coat of lacquer, um, the, the word will get out. The Russian people know damn well that this is a disaster. They knew Afghanistan was a disaster. They knew Chechnya one and two was a disaster. But they're they're the best people on earth at fooling themselves. You know, like fifty percent of Russians think they put a man on the moon. No. Um, so that, that that would be if I was in charge of the brains department there in the State Department in the White House. That that would be my back channel thing to Putin. Yeah, Valentina Tereshkova, still on the moon. Very impressive. Yep. Um, so too. let me ask you this. If Putin is in fact dying, does that matter? I don't think it does. Um, uh, you know, I would rather, you know, uh, for instance, if if uh, uh, Medvedev took over, you know, he seems soft and pliable, but that's why he was a vice president. He's not a hard man. Um, you know, Putin is a heartless son of a bitch. The only guy with, with uh, you know, approval ratings even close to Putin is his buddy. The only success on, on the battlefield is coming from the Wagner group. You know, you have any Prigozhin. This is a guy that went to the prisons. So Prigozhin was given access to the prison system and he would stand out there in the yard speaking prisoner because he did nine, yard, nine years in the Russian prison system. Um, and, and, and he would say, you know, he's got the tats and, and he's legit for these prisoners. And he's saying, look, if you're 22 to 50 and you have military experience, I pay you uh, up to a thousand bucks a month. You give me six months of fighting. And if you're alive, then your records expunge. You're an innocent man. You're a free man. You know, you, you go back. So they've gotten all kinds of horrible derelicts and stuff in the Wagner group. And once, you know, once he pays them, he's got an incentive to kill them. So he has to, you know, so they do, they do the only effective fighting on the entire front. Uh, and his, his, he has rules. He has HR rules. One of his, his one of the rules, you can find this, you, you can, you can Google this and you can find this subtitled uh, on the internets. Um, he says, uh, you'll never ever surrender and you'll always keep two grenades with you. One of them is to the enemy, and uh, if the enemy is still coming, the other one is for you to pull up in and hold up against your chest. And in other words, that's one of them is labeled uh, customer service, the other one's labeled HR. <laughs> uh, it is endlessly fascinating. Suits, your uh, your vision of the world is unique and complete, and I love talking to you about this stuff because. I've talked to a lot of people. No one can go as deep as you do uh, between your experience, your knowledge, what you read, and how you analyze and assess the world. It is truly priceless. Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast and being my friend. Uh, hey, thanks for having me at Dark Secret Place on the Twitter machine or thedarksecretplace.com if you want to listen to the private podcast where I get to swear. Yeah, and, and swear he does. Andy's got dogs. It is worth every penny. TheDarkSecretPlace.com. Brian Suits. This has been Kennedy Saves the World. I'm Kennedy. For more podcasts from my friends at Fox, you can go to FoxNewsPodcast.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.
Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Oh, go ahead and leave me a review while you're there. I'd love to hear what you have to say. You've been listening to Kennedy Saves the World on the Fox News Podcast Network. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.